0: Welcome to The Narrators Podcast. I'm Robert Rutherford. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. This podcast collects stories that were told at The Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Thursday of every month at the Deer Pile in Denver, Colorado. This episode of The Narrators was recorded on July 18, 2013 at the Deer Pile Art Space in Denver, and the theme of the evening was The Open Road. Storyteller, um, they are, I'm, a, I'm a bit biased, but I would say they are the best filmmakers in Denver. Um, they, do, they do amazing film work and are a, a huge part of Denver's burgeoning uh, filmmaking scene, which is actually getting really awesome if you haven't been keeping tabs on that. Please welcome Evan and Adam Nix, also known as the Nix Brothers.
1: Hello. Hello. We're gonna, I'm going to sit on this little stool. It's hot in here. It's like Texas it hot. It's um, This story is about Texas. I'll follow suit. Yeah, you should sit too. Uh, standing all night. We went to Texas uh, a couple of years ago. I should start, I guess, uh, and back up and say we, um, we're also in a band, uh some of you might know our band i don't know it's called total ghost and it's uh a couple of people it's it's really silly we wear wigs and we talk in german accents and and we're like fake german electro band uh it's really silly if you want to see us we're playing on sunday at ums at gary lee's motor something or other quick plug in there yeah (laughs) um yeah, but in 2011, we had just started playing live shows. We sort of had a, music videos that we made. And we weren't a real band. We're still not. We, we, we play prop keyboards on stage and stuff like that. Um, but in 2011, we uh, were new at playing shows, and we had gotten a stage in Austin during South by Southwest. So we decided to take a road trip to Austin. Not legit stage. Yeah, it was just a room during South by Southwest, which is South by Southwest. It was one of the million shows that happened in Austin during South by Southwest. It was awesome, still. (laughs) So we went to Austin. It was our first time there, and it was awesome. I don't know if you guys have been there during South by Southwest, but there's an energy in the city, and it was great, and we played a show, and it was fun. And then yeah, and most of our shows too, we like pour beer all over ourselves yeah. and all over our keyboards and smash keyboards everywhere, basically break things. Yeah, um, so uh, it was great. We had a great time. One of those best week ever type of weeks. Um, and then, you know, drove back home through Texas, um, which if you guys we don't recommend it, yeah, if you have the opportunity to go to Austin for fly South there. by Southwest, fly there it's in the middle of the state so you can't you got to go through the state to get there it's a huge state um and it's terrible (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh so we were driving back and you were driving yes yeah and you know like i i have had to go to traffic school for whatever reasons you know we've all he's a terrible driver yeah no but i i remembered that one of the instructors once said that they would they were like real cops you know and they're like, we would never uh, pull somebody over for going four over the speed limit on the freeway. But five over, yes, we would pull them over definitely. Four so, miles per hour is you know, the limit that you, you can go over yeah. the speed limit. So, using that logic, I set the cruise control to like four over. You know, we want to make good time. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we, uh, are driving through the middle of who God knows where, Texas. Texas. Yeah. And basically, a, a cop just comes out of nowhere, just lights. <laughs> Didn't see it. Yeah. It just speeds up, pulls us over immediately. Pull over, and, uh, the cop gets out, you know, standard get, walks up to the car. What's going on? You guys are speeding. He says we were going 83, which. It's like bullshit. Yeah, I <laughs> had the cruise control set, <laughs> unless my car was lying to me. But uh, so anyway, he pulls me out of the car, and you know, asks me the standard questions. Almost immediately, asks if he can search our car. And our our dad's a, like a lawyer. He's a judge, and you know, he was always he's always told us if you get pulled over, if you have to talk to the cops, just don't say anything. Don't, don't agree let him search to you. Anything. Don't be an idiot. Don't do anything. <laughs> Usually, be don't wrong. be an idiot was what he said. Yeah. <laughs> don't get pulled over in the first place is what yeah. he said. But uh, So anyway, he asks us to search our car. I say no. We Give know our rights. Right. Yeah. You say no. Yeah. Uh, so he basically like goes back to the car, pulls him out, because it was a rental car that it was under his name, so he asks... The owner of the car, if they can search it, and he says no. I say no? Yeah. Why? Why, why would you do that? And then... Uh, we had, like, you know, tons of gear in the back. It would have it taken probably 45 minutes just for them to take it all out and look at it. And it's all soaked in beer and crusty and gross. And, and we sweaty. didn't really have anything to hide, really. Well... Well, we didn't have much to hide. <laughs> yeah. Some beer-soaked keyboards. We had an open container in the back seat that our other yeah. bandmate was And we're enjoying. from Denver, so we obviously smoke weed and brought <laughs> it with us to fucking South to by giving. Southwest. Do we have to say it? Uh, so that's part of it, I guess. So, so he, he pulls me out and he asks, um, can we search your car? And I say no. And he says, well, your brother was acting a little weird. So because we're- I said no to a search. Yeah. And one of the other first things he said was like, you got any cocaine in the car? like, yeah, where's the cocaine? Because we, of course, told them, we, oh, we were just at South by Southwest, we played a show, we're in a band, so they're like, where's the coke? You guys are skinny and tall and weirdos from Colorado, you must have cocaine. Clearly, you're on coke. Um, so he tells me that uh, your brother was acting a little weird, so we're going we're gonna to call a canine unit to do what's called an open-air sniff. I don't know if you guys have ever had an open air sniff performed on you before but I can tell you they don't stand 20 yards away and smell the air. No. They smell all around your car and it up in your car and I don't know if you know you guys watch mythbusters but I've seen mythbusters and those dogs are fucking crazy. They they're, can smell anything. Yeah, they're unbeatable. They're like not human. Yeah, obviously. But <laughs> they are like, not literally not, not human. Yeah. In every way imaginable. <laughs> uh, so the dog, you know... Yeah, and signals. if they signals, Yeah, if they signal, <laughs> then that means they can pull of our, all of our stuff out. and It gives them probable cause, yeah. To violate. It. They open the back, they pull all of our beer-soaked wigs and keyboards out. And Which was a pretty funny sight. <laughs> yeah. It took way too long, and, and they, at this point, you know... Um, Adam has been pulled aside as the driver and, and me, and we're also with our bandmate, Randy, and my uh, fiance Kim. We're, we're in a ditch and off to the side. Randy's is black, just for a little bit of backstory. And his, his first instinct, we've gotten pulled over with him so many fucking times. Too, too many times. It's not like that stereotype about policemen. It's absolutely true. In Texas, at least. <laughs> well, all over. I mean, I've, I've gotten pulled over <laughs> only I, with I my end. road trip to, from New York to here with him, and we got pulled over like three times, yeah. like barely speeding at all. This same trip, we also <laughs> got pulled over in New Mexico on the way out, but we skipped that yeah. part too. So his first instinct is to bust his phone out and be like, We're in Texas in the middle of nowhere getting pulled over. These cops might kill us or imprison us forever. Who knows? You he know. wants to put his location on Facebook for yeah. safety. And the, cop, the police officer was like, put your phone away. You could be texting your follow car to come drive by and shoot us and murder us. He nailed it. That's what we were yeah. doing. Yeah, that's true. He had caught us. You got lucky that time. Yes. But yeah, so they have all of our shit out. It's all on the freeway. And they like finally find my camera bag that like at the very bottom of it has less than a gram of weed. If it's you're like not a pothead, much. that's like nothing. That's not even like twenty bucks. Here, it's not even ten bucks worth. It's like you know, yeah. it's nothing. We were like, take it. Uh, it's not, that's nothing. Yeah. you can have it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, they find the weed and they're like, bingo, like <laughs> big score. Finally got. Bingo. What we were for. Jackpot. Yeah, and basically immediately handcuff me, throw me in their cruiser, and they're like, you guys, and first, before that happened, they read all of our, all of us, the Miranda rights, yeah. all of us, and they didn't pat one of us down either. No. They didn't search our persons at all, so I if had, I had the weed in my pocket, we would have been a fine. Yeah, probably. we would have been great. I had 40 grams of Coke in my pocket. I yeah. didn't tell you guys that. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, yeah. They like speed off to the station. Hold on, I want to back up before before they left. I just want to say they gave me the like a a moral uh, lesson on how in Texas they respect the law. We know it's and you can have a prescription in Colorado, but it's against the law in Texas. And in Texas, we respect the law, not like you Coloradans. (laughs) It was ridiculous. Side note. Yeah. So then they take off. This is Sunday night. And they say, um, you guys are going to have to bail out your brother. They only arrested him. Thank God. Um, <laughs> yeah, because they were like, I, I admitted that it was my bag. You know, they like, they were like, we found the weed. We're going to put all of you in jail. You know, like, and I was just like, that's my bag. That's my bag. And yeah. when and he was said, talking it, to is me. Is it your weed? Yeah. They, like, asked me, like, 40 times if it was my weed and, like, My fucking lawyer dad training came in and I was just like, just didn't say anything. It felt pretty badass. Just like... (laughs) Is that your weed? Is that your weed? Is that your bag? That's my bag. Is it your weed? Is that your weed? (laughs) Where's the coke? Where's the coke? (laughs) Yeah. So, So they put him in the car and they drive him away. They inform us It'll be about $500 to bail him out. It's Sunday night. You might have to wait until Monday morning. He's going to have to spend the night in Plainview, Texas. Have you, has anybody been to Plainview, Texas before? Oh. This person has. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> awful. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, they drive 90 miles an hour to put him Yeah, in they, the like, went way fast. They, like, almost left them in the dust. It's They're like, like follow up. Is this a joke? <laughs> um. Yeah, and just a little thing about Plainview, Texas. Plainview, Texas does not have a Starbucks. No, they don't have like a. They maybe have a Walmart. I don't know. They have like no, eight, they don't. Eight bail bondsmen in this yeah. town, and like they're, four gas stations. Yeah, they're situated on a highway, and clearly they thrive off of that highway with their eight bail bondsmen. They just yank people with Colorado and California plates right off the highway. I think. Um, so anyway, so he's in jail. We're scrambling to find bail money for him. We believe he's stuck for the night, so we go and get a hotel room in Plainview, Texas. They do have a hotel. Ah, uh, hotel. Yeah. yeah, and meanwhile, like, I don't know if anybody's been arrested before, but uh, it's, not, it's not too fun. It's pretty humiliating. <laughs> There's, uh, they, like, you know, at that point was when they searched me, and they, they do a pretty thorough search in prison. Real thorough. Yeah. They they make you, like, pull your pants down, pull your underwear down, bend over. They made me lift up my balls so he could <laughs> look into my asshole, and it made me cough while I was, like, bent over. And, like, at that moment, like, I was, like, humiliated and, was, like, feeling terrible, but I also kind of had that, like... Like, a little power over him because I was like, at least I'm not looking at somebody's asshole. Like, <laughs> at least my job is not to fucking have to surge people's assholes every day. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it sucked to be you, but it didn't not suck to be him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that guy saw my, the, like, the back side of my balls, which isn't even the good side, you know? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's not a bad side. <laughs> I've never actually seen it, so I'm just guessing. Uh, so I'm scrambling around trying to find what ended up being $1,500, not $500. Yeah, well, yeah. But that was after the fact, because they they didn't tell them that they could just pay to bail me out. They were like, you know, we don't really, even though our dad's a lawyer, he didn't explain the system or anything. (laughs) We're Uh, like, huh? (laughs) Arraignment? We didn't didn't know that we didn't have to go through a bail bonds person, you know, we could just muster up the money to do it yeah i had to find that out in prison like or in jail not in prison uh from the police officer you know i was like isn't there some way that we can pay otherwise and like finally after like 50 questions they were like you can get a money order and bring it in so i had to like request to call it was terrible they were just giving us the runaround in every single way in every way and here's the thing about a bail bondsman that is a nice advantage is they pay for it and you don't have have to pay pay for it. But in Plainview, Texas, on Sunday night, the bail bondsmen, all 20 of them, are closed. So I'm, like, calling numbers from Google and getting random voices on the phone that are like, yeah, just why don't you give me your credit card number and I'll meet you somewhere. And I'm (laughs) not going to do that. I'm in Plainview, Texas. So, uh, you know, I get, like, a cash advance on three credit cards, and I'm like, let's just get the fuck out of here as soon as possible. I take the money. We... uh, Essentially, scramble it together and, and bail him out on yeah. Sunday night. And it was like, I was only in there for four hours. It was no big deal or anything. Yeah. And they actually like fed me a meal while I was there. It was pretty nice. Yeah. Although it was like the worst meal on earth. You know, do you know what, you know the McRib sandwich at McDonald's? It was that, but without a bun or anything. It was just like a weird meat patty that was like stamped into the shape of a rib. And then like... Just the worst boxed mashed potatoes and, like... Pudding. The the green beans were all right, but there was, like, a fucking lake of pudding on this plate. It was, like, there was more pudding than anything else. Yeah, chocolate pudding. And it was, I mean, I'm not, like, into pudding, so I didn't really eat it or anything. (laughs) But, you know, they, uh, so... I knew they were coming at this point. Yeah, I we had com- talked on the phone. Yeah, I knew they were getting the money. They were coming on their way over, uh, and you know, in the in those cells, those like holding cells, it's basically just a bench. There's no cot or anything. You like, I was just sitting there, you know, meditating, even though I don't know how to meditate. It, my version of meditating, uh, and they have like a like uh, a A camera in there. Well, yeah, they have a camera in there and they also have a, like a toilet, but they have the camera kind of situated where you can't really see the toilet and the toilet's hidden from the view of the hallway and like, you know, it's an open stall. There's no door or anything, but there's like a cubicle wall next to it. Uh, So knowing that they were coming and like being totally pissed off at the experience, I (laughs) I took some of that, like, I'm... abnormally large amount of pudding and wrote fuck Texas on the inside <laughs> on the of wall. the bathroom stall. Yeah. Fuck f- H- Hoping that somebody thought it was shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the idea. <laughs> yeah. So, so... It's my 14-year-old self coming back for, you know, one last hurrah. Passive, a little, pa- last passive-aggressive attempt at just saying fuck Texas with pudding. Yeah. A little direct. Yeah. So um, w- w- we bail him out. We end up staying the night. Um, the next morning is kind of a ridiculous debacle. We're told we have to go to the courthouse. We go to the courthouse and meet Loopy, who, uh, yeah, they kept telling us, like, you have to go to the courthouse. You have to go. And, like, we were talking to our dad, who was just like, you guys should just leave. Get the fuck out of just there. Just get the fuck out. And we're like, <laughs> we want to. <laughs> they, we they, have they to keep stay. Saying. They keep telling us we have to go to the court. So that's what we're, we have to do. And we go to the courthouse, and there's a security guard there. His name's Loopy. And he, he tells us, you don't need and to I'm be sure here. I'm sure it's Lupe, but, like, yeah. this town is so fucking Texas that, like, <laughs> even the, like, n- Hispanic people pronounce their names incorrectly. <laughs> 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 loopy hernandez (laughs) yeah terrible yeah so he tells us we have to go see the city attorney so we go see the uh, city attorney and he looks at us like yeah there's like a group of like you know five super texas people in there and they just like have no clue why we're there they're like doing what the who the fuck are you people like what are you doing in this town and they, like, had no clue what was going on either. We didn't have to go to court. That's the <laughs> basically. Yeah, so yeah. so we left. We were like, this is ridiculous. And we, we came back home to Denver and uh, just waited for months for him to get his charges in the mail. They and told they, us, well, you're going to be charged. You're going to yeah. get it in the mail. We have your address. And for uh, several months, I would be good about, like, calling them every month and be like, have they pressed charges yet? Verifying my address Like just want to check up Nothing I don't, don't want to go to Texas ever again Especially not Plainview But Yeah So nothing They never charged yeah. him And they, they never They never stole our $1,500 It was highway robbery They They never charged him It was completely illegal So that moral lesson that they gave me About how they respect the law <laughs> Fuck Texas Yeah Basically Yeah Thank you Thank you
0: Uh, moving the show right along. Your next storyteller um, is another favorite of the show. She's a writer, former writer for the Onion AV Club. Please welcome Cassie Shun.
2: I don't think you can all see this, but um, this is the last picture, most recent picture I have of my grandparents. Let me back up here. They're in that little plane there. That's my mom's hand waving Goodbye. And this is the last time I saw them in 2005. Um, I want to make sure that you all know my grandparents aren't dead. They just hate everybody. Um, and they hate me especially because I did a bad thing. Um, when I graduated from college, my grandmother gave me her 1973 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. It was a Rocket 350 V8 and glass packs on the exhaust. And it got eight miles to the gallon. (laughs) and uh, We joke and we say that this car was my grandmother's baby, but there's a lot of truth to that. Um, Giving somebody a classic car is like giving them an infant. It is something that requires constant care and attention and resources. And you kind of get in trouble if you sell it to a stranger, which is what I did. And I understand it, because my grandmother, she grew up in, de- in the Depression, and you know she was picking cotton in Arkansas. She lived in a boxcar. Like, in her wildest dreams, she couldn't have imagined owning a machine like a 1973 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. But somehow, impossibly, she did, and she gave it to me. Uh, this is also weird, because <laughs> higher education in my maternal family is kind of seen, especially for women, as um, in poor taste. Uh, my, my uncle actually declined my invitation to my commencement by saying he'd save that trip for when I did something important, like got married. So I kind of think that giving me the car killed two birds with one stone. She didn't want to keep the car, because it was expensive, and she never drove it. It had 63,000 miles on it when I got it. And if I sold it, she had a reason to write me off. <laughs> so, so my grandmother didn't speak to me. My grandparents both didn't speak to me for two years after I sold this car. Um, so it was weird when they called in 2005 and, um, they called my mom and they said that they wanted my sister and myself and my parents to come up and visit them or meet them in Hannah, Wyoming, uh, for their annual Memorial Day trip, which was what my grandfather said was the trip to see who had died in the year that had gone past since the last trip. And I I guess it kind of hurt me that they hadn't spoken to me in so long. Like as as an early 20 something, you know, you kind of want that link to your past. You want that history. You want to kind of find out who you are through the people you came from. So I saw this as an opportunity. I saw this as something where I could rebuild fences and sort of come together and maybe learn a little something about my past. Um, so we all got in the car and my mom and my dad and my sister and I, we all got in our forerunner and we headed north to Carbon County, Wyoming. Um, If any of you are familiar with this part of Wyoming, it's oil and gas and uh, coal country and significant parts of it look like the surface of the moon. It's just every mile from Denver was more desolate and more gray and more unpopulated. And you'd see these little company towns everywhere where there'd be a a huge refinery and like three houses made from the same bricks as the refinery. Like that's how much of a company town these are You go through, and there's no fences anywhere. We had to stop for horses crossing the road. (laughs) Like, there's probably more horses than people in several of these counties. And uh, we met my grandparents at an airstrip, um, which we always did, because my grandfather flew his little plane everywhere. And I remember this one in particular, because it, it looked like two, just like World War II hangars, and... As they got off the plane, they're like, oh, we're, we're, renting, we're renting a car from Donnie. Donnie was the guy that actually ran the airstrip. He was one guy that ran the Hannah, Monta- or Hannah Montana, or <laughs> Montana, <Hannah>, Wyoming Airport. <laughs> Close relative, right. Um, <laughs> they were basically just borrowing his car. It was the one rental car available in Cardin County. And um, the plan was that my sister and I were going to ride with my grandparents and learn about our past and, you know, get some history. And I remember as I was walking behind the car... I noticed that there was a dot on the I in Malibu. And I'm kind of a car freak, and I'm kind of a typography freak, and I knew that wasn't right. So as I walked by, I I touched it, and I realized it was a bullet hole in the trunk of this car. (laughs) It was a 22 not one of those, like, bullshit stickers that rednecks get. No, it was an actual hole in the car. So I don't know what Donnie had been doing last weekend, but apparently somebody wasn't happy about it. We all pile into the car, and um, our first stop is a bar, of course. My grandmother is four foot eleven and 85 pounds, and she looks like Clint Eastwood. And she can down a box of Franzia at a terrifying rate. Just watch it. But I'm going to demonstrate for you how she drinks. She has, regrettably, really bad rheumatoid arthritis, so her hands kind of are stuck in this position. So she looks like a little Beatrix Potter rat, when she's holding her wine glass and knocking them back. <laughs> and so we sat around and tried to make small talk in this, this bar that looked like just right out of the Wild West, like somebody was going to shoot somebody at high noon in front of this place. It was just the most remote and also ornate bar you can imagine. And uh, from there, we took it to the Mining Museum in Hanna, which was about 20% actual mining history and about 80% this one explosion in a coal mine in Hanna. It was about 20 years before my grandfather got there and about 40 years before my grandmother did. And it wiped out all but 60 men who worked in the mine, which means that it kind of wiped out all but 60 of the men in Hannah, period. And it was weird because I realized that my grandparents probably went to school with kids whose dads died in this. But it was the first time I'd ever heard or seen anything about this. Obviously a very significant part of their lives, but... First time I'd heard anything of it. It was so bad that the cemetery in Hannah wasn't enough for all the bodies. They had to build another one outside of town, which was where we went next. And I got to say, it was pretty unnerving to see all these gravestones where the death date was the same day. Um, so we're looking at these gravestones, and I recognize some names, like my grandmother's name, my grandmother's maiden name. like. And then I sort of noticed that there's these... There's ones in Chinese and Japanese, and I kind of thought this was interesting. So I, I asked my grandmother, I was like, oh, did, did you know any Chinese or Japanese people? And my grandmother's like, you know, several wine glasses in at this point. And she says, oh, yes, you know, they had the most beautiful gardens. And I'm kind of thinking about like, oh, like these beautiful like eggplants and stuff and th- these little Japanese women tending their gardens while my grandmother's waving at them over the fence. And then my grandmother says, but you know, one day they were just all gone, I don't think she even realized, like, there's so much in that statement. Like, were the people gone? Were the gardens gone? No, no, both of them were gone. And I knew why. And so I'm kind of turning this over in my head, and I'm realizing that my grandparents have never been very open about their past. They've never really spoken about this kind of stuff. And I'm kind of beginning to understand that maybe the reason they don't talk about it is because of this. It's because it's shameful and because it's ugly. And because it's coal explosions and it's internment camps and it's scary, bad stuff. And I'm thinking about this while we're in the car. Our next stop was going to be about an hour and a half down the road in a town called Sinclair. The clue's in the name. It was Sinclair Oil. There's like a refinery and a hotel, and that's about it. And apparently my grandparents used to go jitterbugging at the hotel ballroom there. And we're driving down this road. And i got to say, roads don't get much more open than coal country in Wyoming. (laughs) But I I was kind of pulled from this reverie of, like, ugly parts of the past as a a blue car passed us like we were just standing still. And my grandmother, she puts her little little claw hand on my grandfather's leg and says, oh, Don, Don's his name, did you see that beautiful blue car? Can we get closer? I want to see it up close. My grandparents have been married for almost 70 years. I don't think my grandfather even knows how to not do what she says at this point. So he starts picking up speed, and... uh, I remember seeing my parents' horrified faces as we passed them on (laughs) I-80. And I looked over my grandfather's shoulder and realized we were going 105 miles an hour. (laughs) And I guess it was in this weird moment where, like, we're speeding down this highway in a car with a bullet hole in the back. And I'm realizing that, you know, maybe they don't owe me their past. Maybe they just, they're done with that. They want to put that away. It's over But what they were giving me in this moment was a present. It was a moment. In their lives, they had seen everything from shoddy working conditions in a coal mine to the fact that you could take a car up to 105 miles an hour. And I think that they kind of enjoyed the later part of that story a little bit more. So I didn't know at the time that that was the last time they were ever going to speak to me. They, They basically wrote off my whole family after that. But they gave me that moment where I got to see a little bit about where they came from and where I came from. And I guess when I was in that car, kind of fearing for my life, I guess I realized that that would have to do. Thank you.
0: That's Cassie Schoon. The narrator's podcast is recorded and produced by the Denver Diatribe. Check out their weekly show at denverdiatribe.com. The narrator's podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza at either of their locations in Capitol Hill or Old South Pearl, or on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. And finally, by the internet superheroes at Commerce Kitchen, who provide internet marketing solutions and search engine optimization for all your e-commerce needs. Check them out at commercekitchen.com. For more information about The Narrators and to listen to past episodes, go to Narratorspodcast.com. Thanks for listening.